0: Welcome to Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston, and this is the place at Freightways where we talk about oil and we talk about diesel, and I'm sure that you in the trucking business are talking about diesel a lot these days. And because you can't get diesel unless you had crude oil to start with, and you can't get crude oil unless you drill for it, that's why we call the podcast Drilling Deep. Our guest of the week is one of the first people that I ever met in the trucking business when I got into it about five years ago, She's Susan Fall of Launch It Public Relations. She knows absolutely everybody out there. And she's going to talk about how San Diego, her hometown, became the Silicon Valley of telematics. Unless I was doing this show live and you were listening live, whatever I say about diesel prices might be out of date in really a few minutes. Up and down, up and down. That is diesel these days. Are we up? Well, it depends on what day that you want to compare it to when you're starting your comparison. Choose another day and maybe we're down. So let me talk about a few structural things that have a little more staying power than just where the price of diesel is. One of them, and I think it's really very significant for this week, is how refineries in the U.S. are doing and what they're doing relative to diesel. One thing you can be sure of is they always want to make as much, not always, but right now, They want to make as much diesel as they can. The spread between diesel and crude is very strong these days and turning crude into diesel is a highly profitable activity. But not all grades of crude are the same. Some crudes, when processed in a refinery, produce a lot of diesel. Some, no matter how hard the refineries try, hardly produce any. You know what type of crude has a pretty low diesel yield? A lot of the crude from the shale place in the U.S. Like, the North Dakotas, like North Dakota's Bakken, or the Permian Basin in West Texas. Output of that crude has been rising, and it has helped boost U.S. crude production to 12.9 million barrels per day. That is just under the all-time high, and it's the highest since the pandemic. But for diesel consumers, that's mixed news, because the diesel yield from those crudes is pretty weak. You know what type of crude has a very high diesel yield? crude from Saudi Arabia, and while the U.S. has been increasing crude production, the Saudis have been cutting theirs. On top of the cut from the OPEC-plus group that has been in effect since April, the Saudis cut a million barrels per day, on top of that, since June, and they have vowed now to keep that in place through the end of the year. Where do you see the impact of this? The weekly Energy Information Administration data that's released on Wednesdays, it has figures on crude inputs into refineries, and it also has data on production of ultra-low sulfur diesel. That's the diesel that goes into trucks. Crude inputs over the last two months have been running significantly significantly above where they were last year. And meanwhile, the output of ultra-low sulfur diesel has been running less than where it was last year. On an operational basis, and the refinery desire to maximize diesel output given the prof- profitability of diesel these days this really doesn't make any sense and the only plausible reason for this the only plausible reason for this unlikely outcome is the old adage that you can't get blood out of a stone or more specifically you can't get a lot of diesel out of oil from the shale and you can't get a lot of di- and you can get a lot of diesel out of S- saudi crudes but not if you don't have them to begin with You are seeing this issue start to show up in physical markets. Remember, the price on the CME commodity exchange for ultra-low sulfur diesel is just really the start of pricing. In the key physical markets where they trade, where they trade barge-sized quantities of diesel or shipments on a pipeline, that trading is done as a differential to that CME price. If I sold you a pipeline quantity of ULSD in the Gulf Coast, we would negotiate a price that would be CME less a few cents. Is it two cents? Is it four cents? That's what we would negotiate. Even as diesel prices began to rise over the past few months, those spreads held pretty steady, but recently they started to move and not in the direction that diesel consumers do, would want to see. Diesel on the Buckeye pipeline system which serves Ohio and Pennsylvania and is a key market It's been quoted the past few days at 23 cents under the CME ultra-low sulfur diesel price. A week ago, it was negative 38 cents. The Chicago market went from negative 48 to negative 32. The Gulf Coast went from negative 8.5 to negative 3.25. Those spot market numbers are extremely important in setting wholesale prices. Even if the CME price holds steady, if, for example, the Chicago spread strengthens by $0.15, cents, that will ultimately raise the wholesale price in a place like Milwaukee by roughly that amount. That's because Milwaukee keys off the Chicago spot market, and the Pittsburgh wholesale price keys off Buckeye, and Atlanta keys off the Gulf Coast. So these spreads matter. And except for California, where the spread soared in recent weeks, the rest of the country has seen... Physical spreads be mostly a moderating force, but that does not seem to be the case anymore. We're gonna shift gears now, as we always do here on Drilling Deep, and we're gonna take a trip to sunny San Diego. We're going there with lifelong resident Susan Fall, who is the president and founder of Launch It Public Relations. Susan has been the PR representative for a wide range of trucking and transportation related companies, and I interviewed her recently for a story I'm still working on regarding how San Diego became the Silicon Valley of telematics. Let me also point out that Susan is one of the first people I ever met in the trucking industry. So Susan, it's great to have you here on Drilling Deep. Thanks, John. It's fun to be here. So I was spurred by to this interview uh, by or in the story by news that E-Road had moved its corporate headquarters to San Diego. And as I thought about it, it made me realize that there are a lot of companies that I knew in this field that were based down there in San Diego, and I knew That Susan, with all her background there, would know just how did this happen? Because San Diego is not what you think of when you think of trucking, but there's a a lot of companies there. So, Susan, why don't you first talk about LaunchIt and what it does?
1: Well, LaunchIt is uh, a public relations firm uh, that we specialize in trucking technology. Uh, And that came to be, again, and we'll get into it, my past, uh, but it it came to be from working at Qualcomm uh, in 93. And I started Launch It in 2000, and we now represent, at some point, I have touched probably every range of, of trekking telematics company out there.
0: Right. Now, now your view is that, that Qualcomm really is kind of like the mother of telematics, and, and they were based in San Diego, um, and that a lot of these companies that are San Diego based that are in telematics can trace their roots back to Qualcomm. So why don't you talk about what Qualcomm did? Why are they such a pioneer in telematics? They're not really a company you think of in telematics now, but the way you related it to me, they did a lot of things way back in the day that really made them the creator of telematics. Absolutely, you know the Omnitrax
1: division, and anyone now, Omnitrax has moved around so much and has been sold, but Omnitrax was was created by Qualcomm to test CDMA technology. So CDMA technology is what's in our cell phones, code division, multiple access at the time they were going head to head with, with sprint in a sense that was time division, multiple access. So Qualcomm was trying to prove that their way of communicating nationally, again, this is 1990. This is you, we don't, cell phones are in your car, kind of a big old bulky thing. You didn't have cell phones. So, they started using trucks to test a nationwide network. In time, this division, OmniTrax, this product, became a product, a national, viable, huge product. Uh, Schneider was one of the very first. And from there, you know, they got their momentum. We were still, you know, Qualcomm was still, very, uh, very pioneering, very new, but very, um, bootstrapped. If I can remember going in on weekends, they'd buy us pizza and we'd help pack Omnitrax boxes to mail off to customers. Um, obviously that changed in time, but we again, my job was to explain what GPS was, which, mind you, at the time in '93, GPS was not. Publicly, you were not publicly available to use the global positioning system. That was strictly government. But Qualcomm had done this triangulation formula and that's what we used with Omnitracks to pinpoint within something like 500 yards. I can't even remember, but close enough to know, like this is your truck is in this sort of vicinity. Um, and and we grew, we grew, 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 100, 100 people a week. It was, I think in that, Seven years I was there. I think I moved fourteen times um, because we were buying new buildings and moving new buildings. And 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 you know, a lot of us, a lot of us grew up it, it, there. I mean, I was I, I was twenty five years old when I started there. And you know, you you say E Road. I look at that, and I remember when Norm Norm Thomas came to work, or Norm Ellis rather, came to work there. I showed him around. My job was kind of show him around, show him San Diego, took him to lunch, and, you know, and now here he is, E-Road, and we have Adam Kahn, who went on to Netradine, and Michael Bray, who started Platform Science, um, we've got cam and Smart Drive, and all these.
0: So, so, let's kind of sum up here. The whole idea here was that Qualcomm needed something that moved a lot, and they focused on trucks, and they... Did you did, how fast did they realize that there's as a kind of a an offshoot they were developing a telematics business that the truck industry could use for all sorts of data
1: you know that was a, that was before my time I know that Schneider bought the first units in 89 so and I got there in 93 um, so I I, I I don't know that but I know that you know we were jokingly called the cash cow we we OmniDrax was the one that was making the money, but really the heart of what Qualcomm wanted to do was cell phones. I mean, that's that's what they. We also had like email. We had a product called Eudora. I still remember this day again, and it was only for inner office. We still had inner office envelopes for to send attachments because that wasn't available yet. But we would communicate with each other over this Eudora weird email thing my first day of work my computer kept beeping at me and I thought it was I actually thought it was the food truck because it made this sound that I'd never heard I'm like I guess it's the food truck outside little did I know it was you know email which I'd never I'd never heard of email um but that product was sold off they had you know satellite global star was their product I mean, but ultimately, and now, I you know I've been gone from Qualcomm for twenty four
0: three, right? Hours. But you must have you must have encountered a culture that really uh, spurred in. Uh, in, in uh, I was going to say ingenuity and entrepreneurship. That there clearly must have been something in the water that let so many people to say, "Hey, okay, I can take this knowledge and I can go start a successful company and do it." Uh, yep. And it was just been tremendous training and and like I said, culture that least. Yep. There was a hundred percent. I, um, it,
1: it it was, it was a place where, especially again, I, I was the PR side. I can only imagine what it must've been like to be an engineer there, but from our side, we were given so much fabulous products. I was never at a loss for words and things to talk about. It was a constant you know, Qualcomm, now we, now we have j Pro, which was a, you know, a maintenance monitoring system. Oh, we came up with, um, you know, uh, a, a, a route calculation system, all these various things. Once we got into the trucking industry and you really saw, wow, how has this, how has this industry moved without, you know, you look back in the old days of check calls. If you think about it, a driver had to pull over every five, six hours, wait in line, get on a pay phone and say, okay, am I still going to Ohio? And the dispatcher would likely say, well, as a matter of fact, we have a load for you back in Indiana. Can you back up and go back there? Can you imagine the nightmare of that? Or just like not even knowing a, a truck could disappear for weeks, you know, no one, a driver could just take off we all know the whole smoking the bandit days of things um those really disappeared once you know and i i think once we got in the industry we started to see these brilliant engineers started to see and the sales team and people people even like myself because i go to these conferences and go wow they don't know how to track mileage properly and pay their ifta taxes whatever it is, you know and
0: Yeah. When people talk about the good old days, I don't care what they're talking about, whether it's in trucking or anything else. I say, really? You really want to go back to that? Think about what the good old days were were like. So, Now, within San Diego, I mean, is there this realization that you've got this great diaspora? They're not necessarily all Qualcomm people, but I mean, do you, the people in San Diego know that they've got kind of like the telematic Silicon Valley there?
1: You know, it's a combo because it's really a biotech. San Diego was, first really known from a tech standpoint for biotech. And there still is, and they're kind of more in the La Jolla area because we've got UCSD um, there. uh, And Sereno Valley is kind of, that's where Qualcomm was. And that's where growing up, Sereno Valley was nothing. I mean, it was a valley. Even when I was first working at Qualcomm, I rollerbladed those roads, which now, (laughs) Don't even consider it. It's a massive thoroughfare of, of companies. Majority of them are, again, tech, tech based. And I mean, we've got Verizon Connect and again, all those um, smart drive and drive cam and platform science, and it's a lot.
0: Yeah, when we're talking about San Diego, but I would imagine that you would benefit also from just the relative to proximity to the real Silicon Valley to San Jose, to San Francisco, to the Bay Area. Sure,
1: sure. And even though we're an expensive place to live, we're we're less expensive than Silicon Valley and far more beautiful as far as I'm concerned. So I think, you know, I think uh, being able to get engineers um, a lot easier uh, than other places, I would think, and get staff. Yeah,
0: you know, the first time I went to San Diego, I was at an event in June, I mean, this is June, a long time ago. At that, it was the Sheridan that overlooked Torrey Pines Golf Course in La Jolla. And the weather was miserable. It was gray. It was chilly enough that they actually needed to put gas heaters out on the patio at the Sheridan because it was so miserable. And people from the area said this is known as the June Gloom. And I thought, this is not what I associate with San Diego.
1: Nope. We have, we, we have May gray and June gloom. And, and I, I turn my camera around right now because I, I live on the coast and it's very bizarre because it's very June gloom and very gray, and here we are, September, almost October, and it's it's unusual, it's a weather mm-hmm. thing. But typically, we are, you know, the 70, 75 blue skies, except May and June,
0: if but you're on the coast. <laughs> let me talk about so. What is your perspective on on the state of that industry? I mean, it's it's not hit any kind of a plateau. It's it's still growing all the time. There are new companies being formed. There are new companies being spun off and new entrepreneurs. Do you still continue to see that? Oh, absolutely. But a lot more,
1: uh, which I think is a good thing and a bad thing for the industry. When we look at when ELDs came out again, to me, obviously Omnitracks was the early form of an ELD. When it became a mandated thing, suddenly hundreds of products were out there. And as we've learned, many of them failed. Which then causes failure for that trucking company—not failure, but a huge expense. So we—I saw that in the early when when other companies were seeing, I know how to do GPS. I'm going to get into trucking. Trucking is a unique beast, and just because you have a GPS product or an, a, a camera, oh, I use—you know—I have a camera device that we use for you know motorcycle helmets. We can use this for trucking too. It's not that easy. It's not, again, a very different industry. Honestly, that's why I started Launch It because I saw all of these companies come in that didn't understand the industry, didn't didn't know how it really worked and the ins and outs of the different segments. And, you know, is this product more of an LTL focused one or a truckload focused one? And so that's why I started Launch It. We went through, I'd say, a phase of past new things. And for a while, it was, I would say in in 2010s-ish, 8s, 9s, 10s, I feel like it was kind of at a little bit of a plateau of new things. Um, 2020, well, probably 18, 19 is when we started to see all this venture capital come in. We'd never seen that kind of venture capital in our industry. That, it was just didn't happen. So we saw a mass surge of, of new products, especially load boards. Load boards got hundreds of millions of dollars in venture. But how many are really left? Not too many. You know, I mean there's still a lot, but not we, you know, we've seen some companies really get some big funding and then disappear. Um I would say COVID definitely um you know no one knew what supply chain was unless you were in the industry. Now now we have commercials that say, you know, Our supply chain is running, you know, it's, and because of that, that popularity, we've now seen an influx, I think of more um, logistics based products and, and, and more overall software, communicating with shippers and carriers and trying to take care of things at the ports. We're seeing more of that than ever before.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine you have some startups that do approach you for, to use your services, and there may be some that you try to avoid because they don't they don't understand trucking. Maybe they're technical whizzes and they're great engineers, but they've got a product that you think to yourself, "This is just never going to work because these people don't understand trucking."
1: You're hundred percent right there. You know, I, I, I'm fortunate again in my career that I vet a company just as much as a company will will vet me, um, and I've had to be. And I, I hate I hate it when I do it. But I've, I've had to be blunt with some companies and just say, no. I don't see it. You know, they all they all say, well, there's 3.2 million truck drivers out there calling. Even if we only get 10% of them, we're gonna, that's, I, I am so sick of that calculation. Um, but that's what they all think. And, and they can either choose to take my advice. A lot of times they don't and I see them and they disappear and it, I'd, I don't want to be the one that would help, uh, you know, showcase a product certainly that I don't believe in and certainly one that ultimately could hurt hurt the industry if too many people bought it and, it, you know, they failed.
0: So in this San Diego, uh, I was going to call it mafia, but that sounds negative, okay, in the San Diego network, which is, who are some of the companies that maybe are your clients?
1: You know, in San Diego right now, um, I have no San Diego clients which I'm going to be honest with you I like that because uh they usually want me to come into the office and I kind of enjoy <laughs> I, I I kind of enjoy working out of my home and and not having to uh you know get dressed up and go into an office but at one point I have worked with with all of them
0: pretty much you know and and who are the ones that with again well we're talking San Diego here so there's a lot of companies out there I'm sure you Um, you would admire. But the ones in San Diego, who are some of the ones at the top of the list that you really feel? I mean, is Qualcomm really a force anymore in telematics or is it just their offspring? It's their offspring. I think Qualcomm,
1: you know, they sold Omnitracks. Qualcomm is not even associated in the trucking industry anymore. You don't even hear their name. Um, A lot of people, you know, I mean, we have a lot of legacy users of Omnitracks but we have a lot of new companies in there now. You know, I've been really, I've been proud of, of Platform Science only because I, I knew Michael. Michael and I had lunch. I was trying to figure out when it was. It's probably, I don't know, 2016 or 17, 18, I don't know. And he was telling me about what he wanted to do and this company. And watching them grow has been phenomenal. And they have, you know, And now there's a lot of Qualcomm employees there. He's as, as rightly so, his buddies and people he knew and known from the industry. Um, You know, from a tech standpoint, I find no one leaves this industry We trucking is, you know, I love it. I've been in it 30 years now. It's the only, it's really the only industry I know. It's, it's, I, my whole adult life has been in trucking. Um, And no, and, I have friends and people, reporters, as well as other suppliers that also don't leave the industry. They may hop, they may hop to other magazines or they may hop around to other, you know, suppliers, but they don't leave.
0: Uh, Well, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, final words on San Diego as a place to do business.
1: (laughs) You know, certainly you can't, you can't beat the beauty of, of this city. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. I think it's expensive, you know, kind of like anywhere, uh, you know, uh, California and trucking don't go hand in hand. So sometimes that's, that's, that's tough. And I certainly, uh, you know, and often have to, you know, bow my head when we're bashing on California. Uh, so I don't agree with a lot of the politics of it, but, um, yeah, I think, I think certainly uh, it's a great it's a great place. There's again a lot of a lot of ingenuity going on right now, and and uh, certainly San Diego's a good place to do it.
0: Yeah, and of course it, and I guess Las Vegas probably the only two cities where you can fly in and literally walk downtown from the airport.
1: True that. True sure. that. I think uh, not Las Vegas. You can't walk downtown. I was just in Las Vegas. I yeah, guess. I can- could, I think you could walk downtown from Las Vegas. airport. Maybe not to the Strip, but I guess maybe to Old Vegas.
0: I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, but it's very. It's you were
1: very right. You were very right. We have a absolutely beautiful flying into San Diego, and again, having born and raised here, I'm still stunned. I still look out the window and love, love our landing. It is is. It's beautiful.
0: beautiful. And of course, we you also have probably the most disappointing team in baseball this year. Anyway, um, we, want to, we want to thank Susan Fall of Launch at Public Relations uh, for joining us here today on Drilling Deep to talk about the Silicon Valley of Telematics, San Diego, which is our hometown. Susan, thanks again. Thank you, John. This was fun. You have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the FreightCast family of podcasts from FreightWaves. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms and visually, if you want to see Susan and me, Uh, You can check us out on YouTube. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please join us again.